Welcome to another edition of the NS North podcast. I'm Dan Byers and joining me is my co-host Phil Kaskering. How are you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. And you, Dan? Not too bad. And for this podcast, we're going to be chatting with speaker Guillermo Rambo from a much warmer location of Brazil. Welcome to the podcast, Guy. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you on, man. Um, so could you maybe go into a little bit about yourself and explain to our, for our listeners uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a Mac and iOS developer, and also I write for 9to5Mac. I'm also a reverse engineer, and I do the Stack Trace podcast with my friend John Sandel. Um, so that's like a high-level overview of the stuff I do, which is a lot. Yeah, you don't. I don't suspect you have too much free time. Not really. Um, I try to. Uh, people <laughs> always ask me. Uh, they ask this to John as well. Uh, do you ever sleep? Uh, to which the answer is absolutely, quite a bit actually. <laughs> so, what kind of stuff with uh, iOS and Mac have you been hacking with lately? I'm currently in the process of transitioning to uh, indie life, uh, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while. And uh, I've, I've done this before, so it's not new to me. So I guess I'm not as scared as people usually are when going indie. Uh, but I am working part-time uh, at a, a big tech company in Brazil. And I also develop an iOS app called Chibi Studio, which is uh, for basically anime fans and people who like cute characters and i i don't do the drawings i have a friend who does all the art and i do the development and it's going pretty well uh especially in the us for some reason and um i also uh, recently released a new mac utility called airbuddy which helps you sync your airpods with your mac and see battery stuff and yeah it's a really neat little utility and if I remember correctly, this uh, utility is a pay-what-you-want utility, too. Yeah, it starts at 5 bucks, but uh, you can pay more if you want to, and I'm not going to complain if you do. And uh, so have you noticed much uptake on that offer or ability? Yeah, more than I expected, actually. Um, I mentioned this uh, on the, the latest episode of Stack Trace. Uh, I think, like... A good amount of people gave 10 instead of 5, I guess because it's a nice round number and it's double the minimum amount, so it feels good to, to give double. And um, also... Also, you have two airport, AirPods, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, um, quite a few people gave like 50 or even more than that, which was quite... That was surprising. I wasn't expecting... I, I was expecting like... People will give six or maybe eight, but yeah, some people, some people really like my stuff. Apparently, they they see the value for sure. Yeah, and so so describe the flow of how you would use the AirBuddy. Um, you run it for the first time, and it installs a little uh, background utility that keeps running on your Mac. And when you open up the AirPods case near your Mac, you get a little pop-up status window, just like on iOS. And you can click to connect, unlike iOS, which does not have that, fe that feature. Um, and it also features a uh, widget for the uh, control center. Uh, actually, it's notification center. All of those centers have weird names and I can never remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, so you can put the widget in notification center and you get a list of your devices, your Mac, 
uh, your uh, nearby iOS devices and uh, AirPods and other headphones such as uh, Beats headphones. Uh, so that's the, the, the gist of how it works. And I am going to update it with uh, some new features and much-awaited bug fixes. Cool. So uh, in terms of your podcast, uh, how long have you guys been doing that for? I think we started early 2018. And uh, we initially started with a, a bi-weekly uh, re release schedule. So every uh, fortnight we would release uh, an episode. And more recently, uh, we ended the first season, as we called it, and we started a second season, and we are now part of 9to5Mac. So uh, Stacktrace has uh, merged with 9to5Mac, and we, are, we now publish on the 9to5Mac platform. And uh, because of that, and because we now have sponsors, we release uh, a weekly episodes. Yeah, that's cool. So any kind of indication as to how big your audience might be for that podcast? I don't have the most recent numbers, but uh, we did have a significant audience. That That's all I can say <laughs> Yeah. before we ended the, the first season. Uh, but that's, that's going to change now. And uh, we are in the process of moving platforms. So stats are not very accurate at the moment. Oh, okay. So we need to wait for that to stabilize to be able to uh, give more accurate numbers. Right. I, I guess the merger with 9to5Mac is a little bit more recent. So you have to rejigger some things, especially for an older podcast. Yeah, we've just released our first episode on 9to5Mac last week. Uh, and uh, we are going to release the, the second one this week. So uh, and and then behind that, there's all of the like moving the the website, moving the posts, moving the MP3 files and the feed, uh, and that that's that's tricky. And uh, I don't think we we had many issues for the listeners. Um, I, I I know some people got like old episodes re-downloaded on Overcast or something, but uh, that was about it. And now it's all good, but. The stats thing is not completely figured out yet. I want to mention that uh, you have uh, Chibi Studio, and uh, that's something that we have in common because I also have an app, or it's no longer the App Store because I haven't maintained it, but it's called iChibi, and it's a Chibi player for QuickTime. For sorry, for iTunes. Ooh. So you would have the little controller where you would press the button on the on the Chibi that my daughters drew. And then you could have, the plan was to have multiple chibis, but we ended up only having two because they, they needed to be animated. So that's a lot of frames and we never really updated them for Retina. So they don't look as good as they used to, but uh, yeah, uh, chibis are the thing and uh, and we have them here as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, we, we've actually been thinking about expanding the app more into Canada. Um, we don't get a lot of traffic from Canada and we were thinking about ways to uh, improve the popularity over there. Um, but we are doing pretty well. Like if you search for Chibi in the App Store, it's in most countries I tested, it's the first app that shows up. Yeah, that's because my app wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should acquire your app. Uh, let's talk <laughs> offline, I guess. <laughs> I have some I have some artists in my family for the same reason. So, uh, But they go to conventions, and that's where they do all, their, all of their work. We just acquired a, a cry-cut cutting machine so they could cut stickers and stuff. That's cool. So, yeah, lots of little things. So, so just to back up a little bit, um, um, 
what was your first start into tech? Like, what were you what were you up to before mobile, and how did you get into mobile? Oh, that's a long story. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> I first got into computers when I was like ten years old, so ten, eleven, between ten and eleven, maybe twelve. <laughs> I don't remember uh, quite precisely, but. Uh, started using windows and um, my school offered some computer classes and i took them and i learned some dos and some pascal and stuff like that so i got into programming that way really like simple stuff and later on i started getting interested in web development so i did that for quite a while actually made some money doing uh, web development for like small businesses and stuff and I think it was around 2008 I got tired of web development because browsers suck. Uh, so I and I was already uh, into Apple stuff because uh, I thought the computers looked nice. Wasn't that into iPhone yet, uh, but I was really into the the Mac. So I got my first Mac. It was a MacBook the one of the white plastic ones. And, um, of course, started messing around with Xcode and making some little utility apps for myself and playing around with, with uh, iPhone apps when, when the SDK came out with uh, using the simulator because I didn't have an iPhone. And, yeah, that's basically how I got started with uh, uh, mobile development was by tinkering. Yeah, and, and, and at that point, were you trying to look at the reverse engineering aspects of things or how, how did you kind of stumble onto that vein of uh, work? I've always been interested in reverse engineering. Um, I loved looking at stuff in hex editors and, and things like that, but specifically on uh, the Mac and iOS stuff, um, it was, I think uh, around 2012, I was working on an app, and I tell this uh, story in more detail on my uh, NS Spain talk, if anyone wants to uh, look uh, it up, it's on Vimeo. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, so uh, basically I, I wanted to do something on an app of mine I was working on, and I didn't ho know how to do it uh, with AppKit, uh, it was a Mac app, so I, and Final Cut Pro did the thing I wanted to do, so I decided to... Um, uh, disassemble Final Cut Pro and uh, check it out. And during that process, I noticed that there were some features implemented which were not public yet. Uh, so I, I sent that stuff to a publication about Apple, a Brazilian publication about Apple, and they posted about it. And it went around the web at the time. And uh, I was like, oh, this is interesting. I can find... Uh, unreleased stuff by doing this uh, so that's when it, it clicked for me so besides class dump what's your favorite tool from uh, for doing these kinds of spelunking i actually don't use class dump that much um, it, it's more of a tool when i want to actually extract headers from private frameworks to actually use stuff from from private frameworks uh, like in AirBuddy, I, I use a private framework, so I, I, I had to use ClassDump. But to actually do reverse engineering, it, uh, it's uh, way more useful to look at this assembly. And the best tool for that on the Mac is Hopper, huh. which is a disassembler. I've, I've never, uh, I've never, I've never explored that area of things. That's really interesting. The so, so you're actually using a private API to handle the AirBuds or the. Uh... 
AirBuddy uh, support. Yep, yeah, that, that's a private API. Um, it's the entire subsystem that handles AirPods on iOS is is present on the Mac, but the UI side of things is not implemented. So uh, what I did was to uh, take advantage of that and uh, yeah, basically uh, implement the UI side of things, which was not implemented, and uh, I was able to do it uh, without having to go super low level into like parsing Bluetooth packets and stuff like that. Which is good because sometimes these are encrypted and that's kind of a problem. Yep. Yeah. And in fact, they are because uh, one issue some of my customers had was that they um, it wouldn't work. Basically, they would open up their AirPods and uh, the nothing would show up and Debugging, I found out that the app basically didn't know about the the AirPods, or, or it was like detecting the AirPods as not paired. Um, and the issue was that those people were not logged in with their their iCloud account on their Mac. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, yeah if you're not logged in with your iCloud account, uh, all of the information about the AirPods that I I need to gather for the app to work that info is not available because it's all tied to your iCloud account. So I have two questions. The first one is, did you file a radar to Apple for the missing API? And second one is, or follow-up is, uh, are you afraid that your app's going to get share locked? Well, here's something I haven't told anyone uh, publicly, at least. Uh, Apple actually emailed me uh, asking if I was interested in uh, putting everybody in the App Store. <laughs> 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 so it, it was obviously a, like a marketing person uh, from from Apple, uh, which saw the app somewhere and, and thought it was interesting. So, but it was basically like, oh, um, maybe uh, you, you could host this in the the App Store. Uh, just a heads up, you can't use private API, and you you can't use the images of the AirPods, which is which are two things that are integral to your software right now. Which is basically what makes the app interesting at all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, uh, they were very nice, and I went back to them and I explained, and uh, they understood. And uh, yeah, and then they they said, oh, maybe you should file a radar about the private API. Yeah. Which I didn't because it's not an API they would ever make public because it's something that um, th there's no real use for the API outside of uh, like hacky uh, utilities like everybody. So they would never go into the trouble of making it public. -y. Especially since it's uh, an entire private framework. It's not like one API in AppKit or something. So yeah, um, I... I didn't even bother. But you might you might be Sherlock then if if something if the UI comes up that does what your app does. Yes, um and um I wouldn't be too sad about that because the main reason why I made everybody was because I missed this API, the this uh UI and this integration on the Mac. So I made it for myself and I decided to release it in this uh, pay five bucks or more fashion because I saw that many people were interested in having it as well um, and uh, might as well ma make some money out of it. So yeah, um, yeah. and I actually plan on open sourcing it eventually 
uh, after I, I'm done like with the first few updates and fixing the main issues it has, I plan on just making it open source. So if you can build it, you can have it for free, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be too sad about them Sherlocking it. I would be actually happy to have the the functionality natively. That was it. That was a leading question. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that's another aspect. Um with the WWDC app for macOS, which is another project of mine, uh, which is more relevant during WWDC week. Uh but it's a Mac app for WWDC, like there's an iOS app from Apple. Um but they don't make it for the Mac, so I made it. Uh and this question often comes up. It came up uh last year a lot because of marzipan and the ios apps on the mac and oh what if apple uses marzipan to make wwdc for mac os great then i don't have to maintain maintain my app anymore <laughs> that, that would be great yeah i i, I use your app and i use your app on the mac and i really appreciate that that you're making it because my my mac screens are a lot bigger than the, than my ipad even so it's a uh, much more convenient to watch some things on the side when you're doing something else, right? So Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and sometimes uh, I think the main reason why I made it initially was at first it was a project for me to learn Swift. It was like my first big project in Swift. And um, also because when I was working on, on new stuff and I wanted to reference a WWDC session, I had to like grab my iPhone or uh, open up the, the website on Safari, which is... Uh, I don't really like the web as a platform so if i can use an app instead of a website i prefer to use an app uh so yeah so it's a lot better for for the workflow of uh, most people to just have a mac app and i even added the support for like little bookmarks you can add to video like if you're watching a session and um, there's a slide with like some api you want to implement you can add a little annotation to the video uh, to yourself, uh, which is something I've always wanted to have as well. To be fair, their website for the developer videos is now a lot better than it was before. It's got the transcripts and it's got the time codes. So you can click somewhere on the transcript, which are searchable. And then when you click there, the video goes there. So their website is a lot better, but it's it's a website, right? It's not a native app. Yeah, it's improved a lot, definitely. Uh, but you can't have like, Offline playback, for instance. Uh, yes. Some people, they don't have a really good internet connection. Uh, and even, like, I have a really good internet connection, but WWDC videos, I guess, they uh, they don't have, like, the same uh, CDN distribution as, like, mainstream Apple content. So uh, sometimes the, the streaming is a little bit slow here. Um, so it's better to just download everything and watch it later. Would would you say that you do more Mac or more iOS development in general? Currently, it's more iOS um, because my like main product is uh, Chibi Studio, and it's a, a business basically. And I uh, I've been working on a brand new version of the app, which is going to change lots of things. So I've been doing lots of iOS stuff, and um, and also my Currently, part-time job is an iOS app. So, yeah, I do more. In terms of lines of code, it's more iOS than Mac. Brazil might be a country that our, our listeners are less familiar with, but uh, you probably have a good ear to the ground as to the mobile situation there. So what's uh, is it is it as... Uh, 
Uh, is iPhone as popular as it is in the US, for instance, or is it much more Android? It is, um, well, the, there's popular and then there's how many people have it. <laughs> so uh, it is yeah. very popular. Uh, like everyone knows what an iPhone is. Um, every, mo many people want an iPhone, and, uh, but they are extremely expensive here. That is what I heard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, every Apple product is absurdly expensive here. Like uh, you complain about the price in Canada, people complain about the price in the US, come here. <laughs> uh, I, I guess for someone who who's uh, from the US or something, they, they might not understand how expensive they are here uh, because you don't know the entire context of the country and the, the like the how much people earn and stuff. But yeah, it, it's really expensive. So because of that, there are not as many iPhones here as in the US but I don't remember the the exact number but I think it was like the last time I saw some some stats it was like 10% uh, of mobile devices here were iPhones and the rest was all Android um, but companies still invest in, in iOS here because it's usually used by the customers who are going to bring you, you the most revenue. Um, we see that like in the the, the app I do part-time. Uh, it's an e-commerce app and iOS, even though it has like half the amount of users as Android, it brings in like the same revenue. So the users are like twice as valuable. So it's worth investing in and developing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in Brazil, and is, which uh, what's your nearest city that you're near? I'm in Florianópolis. Where's that in relation to uh, like the capital? Uh, it's more to the south, uh, so it's um, almost the southernmost state in Brazil. There's only uh, one other that that's more to the south, and um, so yeah, the, the the bottom third of the country basically. Cool. So, so you're not near any uh, uh, water at all, then? Uh, I am because it's an island. Oh, it's an island. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's water everywhere. Yeah. Given your location and uh, the weather down there, are you able to take some time and enjoy the outdoor sports, or are you pretty head down? Nope. I just walk. That's the only part I do. <laughs> so what, what what kind of stuff do you like to do aside then from, from hacking away and doing podcasts? Well, I do the stuff most people do, like watch movies and, and stuff like that. I, I go on walks. It's nice to walk here because there are nice um, sceneries to explore. Uh, and I like to cook as well. Like I, I cook a lot. And I like eating as well. <laughs> <laughs> very good all right well thank you so much for joining us today Guy. thanks this was fun yeah it was uh, we, we really look forward to seeing you in uh, montreal at the end of april absolutely thank you to all of our listeners as well and uh, we'll see you again in the next podcast have a good one